0: Indeed, thank you for your prayers. (laughs) Do you remember when I talked to you before service? And I said that the Lord gave me the choice of before or during? You're okay if I say something, do you? I'm not gonna talk. No, it's okay. I just wanna pray. Father, we thank you for Beth. And what I say, Father, is in obedience to you. And it is directed at your enemy. Satan, I speak in Jesus' name. You are not to touch the Lord's servant, Beth. You are not to come against in any way. For your hand that reaches out to her will return to you cut off. In fact, you are not to touch ignition. For what you bring on this part of the remnant and take from it will be returned tenfold. I declare it in Jesus' name. And Satan Jesus places you on notice even now that from this day forward your territory will decrease. Any winds that you blow from your mouth will seem to bluster. But they will fall to the ground. And even the attempt will cost you tenfold. What you attempt to take that is not yours, no longer yours, will cost you tenfold of what has been yours. Until one day you will find yourself confined. You know this is coming. You have known this is coming. I speak this warning in Jesus' name. And by the power of his blood. Amen. welcome welcome online I appreciate all those online who come who don't believe because in your coming maybe you will see What the Lord has laid on my heart today is simple and yet the most difficult thing to do in the world because it has to be outside of yourself. We pray for revival, we pray for the healing of this land. But that's where it cannot be done in just one. See, Abraham learned that. That's for us to learn as well. This country, America, is precious to the Lord. He was the one that started it. He was the one that placed it. In the heart of William Penn. He was the one that showed up. When William Penn would go into the woods for days. To pray. Pray for this country. That he probably only saw a minute fraction of what God intended. See even this country has never seen but a fraction of what God intends. Truly a country sold out to Him. Sold out in its administration. Sold out in its people that are willing to give their very lives for God's plan. See, that's the tough choice. It's what we're willing to give. Not of our money, not of our things, but of our breath. The very thing that is precious to each one of us to give everything. I can't remember where I heard it this last week, but. Might have been somebody here telling me, I, I can't remember. But how the people of America right now don't understand what it is to sacrifice for your country like the forefathers did. See, when they came over here, you have to understand they had everything. They had everything materially. They came over as wealthy men. When they came over, they had lands and everything else. When they stood up against England, they had a lot to lose. They had everything to lose. We reap the benefits of their cost. And we have. Who will reap the benefits of our cost? Will we give what we are to give for God's plan? See, because God's plan isn't just to build relationship with you and have this life that is comfortable for you. To literally send His power down into you So that you could feel good about it. There is nothing in God's plan. That does not include unity together. That's why Satan knew that from the beginning. What Satan has done from the very beginning. Way before the church. Really it goes all the way back to. The beginning of that authority beginning at the Tower of Babel. And I'm not going to get into that right now. But but understand that what really happened there was an authority he was given of division. Divisiveness. From that authority he began to take away choice. Choice. And people agree with it because they want fellowship. They want community. So they'll agree with certain things for that community. Let's propel forward to today. 2,000 years into the church, into the bride. We see that all over. You place a label on yourself as a Christian, and you open up, well... (laughs) used to be the Yellow Pages. I don't know what you kids do now, but used to be this big old yellow book that weighed 500 pounds. Oh, they Google it. Okay. I think we ought to go back to the Yellow Pages. Well, that's how I feel about Google. But anyway. But we would open up the Yellow Pages or Google churches in the area and look for ones that that kind of have the same names as things that we grew up with or things that we believe in. or You know, well, this church should be good because it's got the same name. They're part of the same association, so I can fit in there because they fit into the beliefs that I have gone ahead and brought into my life and fit into that community. And so what happens is people start looking for community that makes them feel welcome. Makes them feel good. Do you see how this goes? It's not about truth. It's not about iron sharpening iron. Except perhaps on a controlled scale. You know what messes all that up? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit messes all that up. Because when you have a group even within these churches that say, Holy Spirit, we just want your power. We say yes to whatever you want to do. Then all of a sudden they become a faction of the church. They better get out. Because they're rocking the boat. Because they're taking from the church the literal control that the church has had. I have a tough word for the church. He first told me this about a year and a half ago. I thought it only applied to the specific thing that that I was at. I was speaking at a convention, whatever you want to call it, national convention in Nigeria. But since then, God has shown me that it's far more than just that faction. And here's the word. He is going to dismantle every single religious system of the bride. Everything that is named separate from what he is. See, we have all these names to separate us. And I know, I grew up in that pride. I had pride in that. Am I a Baptist? No, I'm not a Baptist. Because then you could confuse me with a Southern Baptist. And first of all, I'm from the North. But no, I am... Independent. Oh, but I don't stop there. I am independent fundamental. I'm sorry, but 99% of the people who grew up in those churches, many who are watching me right now, they don't even know what it means. They don't even understand what it means because they hold to a doctrine that makes them feel accepted. That makes them feel something as part of a family. And in order to do that, you have to negate the very things that God says in His Word. See, His Word is Him. His Word is living and breathing. It is not something held in a box. It is not something that contains all the words that God ever said. If it is, then you are limiting God. It is, however, a picture of His character, a picture of who You, you know what? Turn to Acts seventeen eleven. Let's see if I can turn there with shaking so bad. Paul and Silas were in Berea and they were preaching and and let's just go directly to verse 11. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness examining the Scriptures daily to see if the things were so. You have probably used that verse a thousand times. I have used that Verse thousands of times Used to be a theme verse when I used to teach That you are responsible to take what you hear Receive it with eagerness But take what you hear and prove it out The problem is people think that they can take what they hear And they can prove out a word that has to do with a day and a time Or an age. Well, God doesn't really talk about the United States in the Word of God, so we're kind of on our own, I guess. Let's build these factions, these religious systems that we have pockets of people that kind of agree with each other, which which really is not even true. There's more bickering inside of churches than there is outside of churches. So what's the point of having a denomination then? Just to feel like you're right? You're not right until you go before the Lord. And you prove it out in His Word. By not twisting what He says, but having an open heart to what He says. These 66 books are not everything he has ever said, nor is it everything that he ever will say, but it is a picture perfect of his character, of who he is. His word will never disagree with itself. That was one of the fundamental things I I learned early on in studying the Word of God and really digging into the layers of the Word of God is, I I, I remember Chuck Missler saying that if you find something that seems to disagree in the Word of God, he said, be glad, rejoice, because if you do your due diligence, if you really research, if you go before the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, Reveal to me what this is saying. He said, what you're going to find in there is a nugget that you never knew. I can tell you by testimony, this has been the case thousands and thousands of times for me. It almost comes to the point where I look forward to seeing something that disagrees. But there is a requirement there. That requirement is diving in with Him. Taking the time with Him to learn. Not, you know what, let me, let me go back to our church beliefs. See what they say. So I can know what I believe. Let me go back to the seminary notes that I took years ago to see the foundation of my belief. See, God never intended that. God is not a simple, universal God where He just places Himself and says, this is me, this is mankind, and that's where our relationship is. Or maybe I'll have a relationship with, with this denomination because they're kind of closer to the truth, a little less one with them over here. That's baloney. No, what He does is He takes that individual person and he says, I want relationship with you. I want you to have relationship with me. As you learn relationship with me and we begin to mold this thing together between us, then guess what? He begins to open it up to others and he says, no, now I want you to do that with them. Not just not just vertically, but horizontally. I want you now to build relationship With them. Why? Because he works in that. He works in that relationship. That's the evidence of his love. Where is the evidence of the love in the bride? And I'm talking about those who believe in justification of sin. Those who believe in accepting Jesus Christ into our heart as Messiah. Giving us permanent entrance into heaven when I say the bride that's who I'm talking about but yet they are so divided so separated for the very reasons that break God's heart and the thing is it all began with an authority of separation because of man's pride guys I gotta tell you It's not hard to break. In fact, it's easily broken. It's it's like Satan has sat back all these years just saying to himself, I hope they never figure it out. I hope they never figure out what they really have in Jesus Christ. I hope they never figure out what he really did for them. That it's not just some... Written words on a page that he died, and I believe that, so I get to go to heaven. And, and in the meantime, I'm going to live my life as good as I can, move forward as much as I can. And, and those moments, those moments where it becomes so blatantly obvious that I can tell somebody about Christ. Wow! Oh, what a sad life. And I can say that I have every right and authority to say that because I lived it for 50 years. That's a sad life. It's not a life of passion. Church, we have the greatest thing in the world. Relationship with Jesus Christ, allowing His Holy Spirit to filter through us in power. Oh my goodness. Why do we deny it? Why do we hold Him at arm's length? Why do we criticize and judge and say, No, that's not the case because blank. Taking portions of the Word of God and misapplying. I have put out this challenge to everybody who sends it to me. And it's often, trust me. The sad thing is they don't want to have a conversation. They don't want to have a discussion. They don't want to speak together as two brothers or brothers and sisters in love. Why? It's because there is an authority of division on the bride. That is going to come to an end. See, because we are at a different time in life now. We're at a different time. Growing up, when I grew up years ago, it might have been that, okay, I could get by by just kind of sliding through. But we're at a point in history now where you're forced to make a choice. Oh my goodness, will we choose Him I was watching a video a couple days ago. I put it on God Squad. I'm sure many of you have seen it of this guy who got shot by Fulani herdsmen by Boko Haram in Nigeria. They certainly intended to kill him because they shoved the AK-47 up his nose and pulled the trigger. He laid on the floor and he bled out, but he did not die. The, the bullet, instead of going into his brain, ricocheted off a bone and blew out, I want to say it was the right side of his, his face. I mean, completely blew it out. There was no jaw bone, no jawline there anymore. He did live. In fact, when they went to go do construction, a reconstruction on his jawbone that was no longer there. They were going to take a piece of bone from his leg and flesh from his leg. And as I understand what in the testimony he gave, if I'm understanding it correctly, which is what he said, he said when the doctors actually went in to do it, the bone had reappeared. And they didn't need to take the flesh. That isn't to say he doesn't have issues. He does. But what blows me away is what he said. He said, I forgive them. He said, in fact, if they would come to my door today, I would hug them and tell them I love them. Why do you think he would do that? Why? Why? They're not part of his denomination. They're not part of his crew. It's because that was Jesus speaking. That wasn't him. It was the love of Jesus inside of him. So overwhelming at a cost that meant his very life. And yes, yet he said yes to that cost. And see, we know that for a fact because when they came to his door, they gave him a choice. They said, are you a Christian? He said, yes. They said, we will give you one chance. Say that you do not believe in Jesus and you, you freely believe in Allah and you will live. He said, I can't do that. Because, see, Jesus was real. Jesus had built a relationship with him. He knew the truth, and even if the truth cost him his very life, he couldn't speak anything but the truth. So he he took that one chance and just said, do what you may. I believe in Jesus. Jesus. And they shot him. If it were done there, that would have been an incredible enough testimony. But to go beyond that and say, I forgive them and I love them and I want them to see who Jesus is, whew, that's, that's real sacrifice. Sacrifice. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in this world thinking what's important. You know, it's important to do this, to do that. It's important to have this and have that. And I get it. I get it. My wife keeps telling me it's really important to finish projects that I've started. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I agree with her. (laughs) Those things are important. But nothing's more important than our focus and what we do in saying yes to Him. Have you been called to something special? Have you been called to something extraordinary that you know in your spirit and you have stepped out in that? Guess what? That answer to the call is not one time only. That answer to the call is every single day of your life. When you wake up, you say yes to Him, even when He has done all these things in your life. It doesn't change. All it does is ramp up. Yes, Lord, and yes to the authority that You're giving me. Help me to understand it. Help me to know it. I trust You in it. See, this is what he's doing with his remnant right now. This is what he's teaching his people right now. But will you accept it? Or will you categorize it as something different? Well, this is this part of my life, not the part of my life. And by the way, I know we don't do that consciously. We don't. But we begin to limit... God by not choosing the very things that are supposed to be at the forefront of our lives. How easy is it to begin shaving off some time that we give Him just because things are getting a little hairy at work? I've got to get this project done or I have this test coming up. The Lord will understand. I'll just give Him a little less. He'll understand because I'll do double next week. Guess what? He does understand. I mean, the honest truth is the Lord will take from you what you give Him. He's not going to take more than you give. He's not going to sit back and say, no, 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 you come back to me. You're not allowed to do that anymore. You gave me your yes. You, you come back here, you can't do that sin anymore because you already gave me your yes. It's not how it works. He just quietly sits and says, okay, here's your choice to choose me or not. To believe that I give or not. To believe in my promises or not. Do you know the power of his promises? This is a tough statement, guys. The power of his promises are first, that he does not lie. If he promises something, it is a promise and will be absolute with him. But see, there's two sides to a promise. There's the receipt of that. God can promise me something that I don't receive. Will he force it on me? Probably not. Thankfully, he knows my heart. And sometimes when my words may say one thing, if my heart is saying something for him, he will listen to my heart and take me the hard way around. We've all been there. We've all done that. But bottom line is, it has to be coupled with your faith. Your faith is critical, just like your portion of the relationship is critical To the relationship. He's not ever going to force himself on you. Ever. See, why do you think, except for World War II, in wartime, why do you think being in the army and the military is by volunteer? because they want people that want to be there why do you think to be a Navy SEAL they have to go through absolute hell is it because of the great pay raise you know you you graduate from Navy SEAL school and you'll be a millionaire right (laughs) you graduate from ranger school you'll be wealthy am I right Bill they, they give you that check upon, upon graduation. Here you graduated. Here's your million dollars. Bill's still wondering where in the heck that check went. <laughs> no, see. They want you to want it more than anything else. They want you to want it even more than your own life. That those Lives of your brothers become more important to you than your own life. What a scenario for relationship with Jesus Christ. See, he wants you to want it. He will never force it on you. He will never force you to believe. He will ask you to believe and he will offer it. The thing is, there's a time where patience is no longer an aspect because his timing brings on the next chapter. That is where we are at globally. A no now carries much heavier consequences than a no 20 years ago, even two years ago. We've had our warning. This world, the bride, has had their warning. That's what the first woe was, is a warning. The Lord said, I will do this, and he did it. It's a warning for us to open our eyes as the bride. To trust him, to make choices for him. This reprieve that we're in, the word that he used. I don't know why I keep calling it a respite. But (laughs) this reprieve that we're in, that is between the first woe and the second woe. I think I said this on a Tuesday night, or it might have been the last. I, I can't remember when I said it. The bottom line is it is a time for you to walk out your choices. To walk out the very things that you said yes to during that first woe. Yes, I will pursue you in relationship. Then this is the time to walk it out. Don't assume the reprieve is easy. In fact, you can assume it's probably harder than the woe itself. Because it's always harder to walk out a decision than to make the decision. I use the example whenever I said this, was it on a Tuesday night or am I repeating on a Sunday? Okay, it was a Tuesday night. So you all have heard this. It's not online. It's like a diet. Those things that I'm passionately against. Just kidding.
1: It's
0: like a diet. You can make the choice to go on a diet. You can make that choice pretty easily. You can make a choice to start working out. So much so that you spend $2,400 on a life cycle that you've ridden once. Right? Or midnight, just before midnight, December 31st, my New Year's challenge, I'm gonna decide to start working out, I'm gonna, I'm gonna decide to go on a diet, I'm gonna decide to do these things. Man alive, you can make those decisions so easily before midnight. Here's a tough one. I'm going to fast. Ouch. You know, fasting is a great thing to think about. Very different when you do it. I remember thinking about the 40-day fast we did. Because, I well the first one. Because I was thinking, when the Lord was telling me what He wanted me to do during those forty days, I was thinking, "Oh, this is going to be so good! It will draw me so close to Him." You know, Moses did it for eighty; I can do it for forty. Day one, breeze. Day two, breeze. Day three, oh, I got this. And there was day four. Okay, Lord, wait a second. Did you say four or 40? You know, this is different. Now walking it out requires not just a single choice, but it is continual choice. See, when you say, that's why when somebody comes up to me and, and I'll meet, I meet with people all the time and they say, how do I build relationship with the Lord? You know, it's, it's really simple. Stop thinking you have to do the work. All you have to do is offer the faith and say yes. What I tell them every time is I, I just say, look, wake up every morning and the first thing you do, put a banner in your room if you have to. The first thing you do in the morning, the first breath that you take, you say yes. I don't even know what that means, Lord, but today I give you my yes. Whatever you want. And throughout this room, there are people that, that at the beginning, we, we talked and that's exactly what I told you. And you did it and see what it has done in your lives. See what it's done in my life. That's how it began with me. I didn't understand any of this. I just knew he was trying to say something to me. I didn't even know how all that worked. But I was just bright enough to know that if I say yes, and mean that yes, that he'll meet me there. So we just say yes, wake up every morning. By the way, that doesn't stop. Well, I've done that for three months now. We have relationships, so now I'm good. doesn't stop. Because now I wake up in the morning and it's it's this yes, it's this automatic yes, but then he says, Okay, but here's what I want you to do. uh, Let's talk. (laughs) No, just say yes. Just say yes. Alexa and I talk about it all the time. If he lays something on your heart, err to the side of obedience. At the beginning, I used to, all the time, well, okay, I need, I need to get a confirmation of that word. And, and Lord, by the way, I need about ten confirmations here because this one's pretty whacked. You know, and, and, and oh, thank God for his grace because he gives grace in that. And, and I think I wore him out all the times that I would do that. And he just kept saying, man, would you just trust? Would you just trust? Let me teach you what faith is. I've given you this gift of faith. Now I expect you to use it. To use that faith that I have given you. That means when I step in something that I've never done before, I can have the bold faith knowing it's from the Lord. I can have the bold faith in knowing He will meet me right there. He will do it. I don't have to do it. I just have to step. You see what I'm saying? We don't have to cultivate this bold, rash faith that we do in our own strength. That was never the gift of faith in the first place. The gift of faith really boils down to obedience. He, right? he, he told Abraham, go to this land that you've never been to before. Because I'm going to make you the father of many nations. (laughs) I mean, imagine. Imagine what, what he had to go through in believing that, in stepping in that. By the way, he didn't step in that right away. It wasn't until his father passed away. I think it was 25 years later that he did. Imagine the turmoil he went through in being obedient in that step. And then when he was, all the time leading up to him having that first child, that one child, not his first child, but the one child that God was going to fulfill the promise through. Oh, imagine the joy of that day. This is the child that God is going to fulfill this amazing promise through. Yeah, I want you to take him up to the top of the mountain. And offer him as a sacrifice to me. See, we read that story and we're displaced from it. Well, that's old testament stuff. Well, that's not even old testament, that's just Bible stuff. That's that's a little different now. I mean, we have we have you know some thirty five hundred years of society and 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 how we have refined society. Right? That was back then. He would never have us do that now. Whatever happened to God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The sacrifice may be different, but his intent and his lesson is the same. But see, Abraham trusted. He just said, I will err In obedience, walking up there, even with Isaac saying, uh, clearly he didn't know what what was going on. Because he said, well, well, dad, where's the lamb? He said, the Lord will provide the lamb. If you read Hebrews, you know that he believed in faith that even if He were to take the life of his son that the Lord would raise him from the dead. Why? Because he believed in the promise. He believed in the promise. God said it. He believed it. Period. It wasn't a one-time thing. It was every day when he woke up, he believed. That belief never stopped. Just read Hebrews 11. It said it grew daily. Does your faith grow daily? Do you find yourself in a place of passion with the Lord where every day becomes more passionate? Or do you find yourself in a walk of life where you're just getting through? And I don't mean that we don't face things that we have to endure. Of course. Of course we do. I'm talking about those who have been stuck in a religious system that squelches the very passion that is allowed in that system. I remember people telling me, people in leadership, when I was a worship leader, to be careful of my passion. To be careful of how passionate I am with things. I remember being in meetings where just tone down the passion a little bit. Because, see, not everybody is on the same page as you. <sighs> Tell you what, I'm not trying to get you all on my page, I just want you to be on Jesus's page. Because that's where I want to be. And if we're all on his page, then it's going to work. His bride has been so divided for so many years. We're on so many different pages. And he's saying, this ends now. Because he is going to show Israel what he wanted in the first place. He is going to work through his bride. And the bride will come to the place of rulership of the earth. I think this is the first time I've said that online. Please send me emails. (laughs) The bride will take rulership of this earth. But it will not be the bride who is ruling. It will be Jesus Christ. He will rule through his spirit that is infiltrated into his bride that he's placed in these positions. He will do this because it is a foreshadowing of what he wants to do with Israel. And literally what it will slap in the face of Israel and say, see that's what I want to do with you. But in a physical sense. But Jesus will come back. In a physical sense. And he will rule. He will take the throne of David. He will rule on this earth. As a man, guys. Do you get that? I know you guys get it. I'm speaking rhetorically. Do you get that he is a man? He is 100% man and he is 100% God. But as a man, he has the authority. He has the right Understand this. He has the right to take that throne of David. He didn't have that right as God. Tough to take, isn't it? It's not about God's capabilities. It's about His own choice. See, God chose to give us choice so we could choose Him, so we could partner with Him, And in that choice, he said, I will never force you. He will simply wait until he finds one that agrees. But that's why Jesus had to become a man. That's why the Son of God became a man, inserted himself into his own creation. To live a perfect sinless life. To offer that life on the cross for sin. To pay that price of separation that is ours to pay. To raise, be risen from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ascended to heaven. And read it. It was then that God lifted his name above all names. It wasn't at his birth. And it wasn't that he didn't deserve it. He did. But see, he had to prove a pathway that we could walk. He had to show us a pathway that we could walk. We can't be God. We'll never be God. We'll never be close to God. But we can walk this path that Jesus walked in relationship with His Father because He showed it to us. So He waits, sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, as a man and as God. When He comes down to earth and reigns the entire world, not just Israel, but He will reign the throne of, from the throne of David, He will take that and He will do it. But what he is doing with the bride right now is to show them that he will do it. Because, see, they won't, at least now, they won't believe by faith. They will believe by being shown. And that's what he's doing. That's what his bride is all about. That's what his church is all about. And yet Satan has been able to keep his church so fragmented. But no more. He will dismantle the fragments. And he will bring a unified bride under one name. One name. Under his own name. Jesus Christ. Because he will be the ruler. Lex, come on up.
1: Um, Something a little bit different that I want to do is um, I want to make by point of a clarification. Um, And Greg, it requires you. What I want to make very, very plain is that when he said that the Word of God, that is not all that what God has said contains, that is in no way saying that books that come out that are another testament of Jesus Christ are correct. So I wanted to have you... Clarify and answer any question or confusion that when you say what all God has spoken, um, what you meant by that, because that is something that most of us don't need explanation for, but it does, uh, it does come up because Satan's such a great counterfeit and he loves to take the word of God, and you mentioned twisting, twisting the word, um, but sometimes there's a, there's an understanding of a, a miscommunication that what Ignition is saying is that there's more of a Bible out there that there is not. So <laughs> I wanted to give. Um,
0: I don't know that this will be an answer you want to hear, but <laughs> the Lord sometimes does things on purpose to shake, on purpose to offend. And what I am saying is don't expect everything that he says to you to be found in his word. You can find the principle there. And and this is not rocket science, guys. When he told me to close the business and sell all my equipment, I couldn't go to the back... Chapter three and see Greg sell your equipment and your and close your business. See, the Bible is his word, it is his character. All of who he is will be in agreement. Everything he says to you as you build relationship with him will be in line with his character. Now that's as he guides you in life. But understand that there are things that are placed on people. Offices, giftings, whatever you want to call it. Where prophetic words are spoken about what the Lord is doing. Those will always be in agreement with his word. You have prophets today that will pay a dear price because they prophesy out of their own wisdom, seeing the lay of the land. Maybe it didn't start out that way, but because of a religious system, it became that way. But this is not his only word. It's not. He said, it's, he said so himself. In Revelation chapter, I believe it's 11, where it talks about the seven thunders. John went to write down what they said. And, and Jesus said, no, no, no. Or the angel said, no, don't write that. That's for another time. What do you think, that other time is when we're all in heaven? Well, there's a problem with that if you think that because he said when we are with him, First Corinthians 13, we will see clearly. We will know clearly. We will know everything because it's no longer in faith. The faith is here. Those seven thunders, I don't know what they said. I believe we are going to hear them in our time because it is part of these woes look at it it's tucked right in between second woe and the third woe if everything he said is contained in these words these 66 books then it makes John himself a liar When he said that if we wrote the books of everything Jesus did, the world couldn't contain it. So stop looking for that. Look for his character. Look for who he is. Look for how he applies it in your life. Stop using a technicality of what you think to block you from the truth. Because that's exactly what it does. But in saying it boldly like that, that's exactly what the Lord intends. He intends to offend. Just as he told the Jews, If you want any part of me, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's a hard statement, especially for a Jew that wasn't allowed to touch blood. By the way, he never corrected himself. He never pulled back and said, okay, what I'm really saying is that in the future you're going to eat this little wafer and this grape juice and it'll be remembrance of what's going to happen on the cross. He never said that. Why? Because he wanted the very reaction of his disciples that said, where would we go? You have the answers to life. I don't understand that statement you just made. I really really hope that's not literal, but you have the answers to life so I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving at all. I trust what you're saying. and just trust what he is saying to you and he will reveal it in his word. There is not I can tell you from my own walk there is not a point in your walk that he will not prove out in his word, not one might take you a little bit to find it because he wants the time and he wants you to search and he wants those moments together. But he will never let you down. He will never make you walk in darkness. Ever.
1: The end. (laughs) Oh, God is so good. To have a relationship with him is... It's so special and it's so personal. And um, I, I only wanted to say one thing when he mentioned Abraham. And the distinction that if you put what he was asked to do to sacrifice Isaac in modern day times, you know, the, the giving up of your son, the giving up of your, of your promise, the Old Testament even shares that in the, in the demonic worship of false gods, they sacrificed their children in the fire. And so when you look at just the act of what God was asking him to do, most people would say, you're possessed with a demon. You must be following a a demon spirit to even think that God would ask you to do that. But why Abraham so quickly, so boldly, so clearly and with no hesitation obeyed and trusted is because he knew his God in a personal way. He knew the difference. We, we know in principle that Satan is the great counterfeit. But then when he counterfeits, it's, the indictment ends up coming against Jesus, against the Holy Spirit. Because we get so nervous and, and it goes back to this religious system of control where we shut everything down so as to try to not be deceived. Rather than just trusting the God that we know as our personal Savior. Personal Savior. He is a personal God. Abraham knew him as a personal God. And that's why, even though he knew that there were groups that sacrificed their children to false gods, and that was a demon worship practice, evil, he knew that his God has a, had a plan. And that just because Satan was out there trying to counterfeit all those types of things, and in our modern day context, just because Satan tries to counterfeit a lot of things, doesn't mean that we can't know the difference when we know our personal God. That's actually why so many religious systems have shut down the move and the power of the Holy Spirit. Like Greg said, the Holy Spirit messes things up because it requires a pure faith. It takes out of our hands a sensible control that we can grasp with our intellect. And the Lord showed me this week. um, It was just really profound for me. That if I want the peace that passes all understanding, that is promised when I make my requests and petitions to the Lord, I have to, in order to have that peace, I have to be willing to surrender my understanding of him and of certain precepts and concepts and trust him. doesn't mean that he won't bring it. But there will be some things we will never fully understand. Faith will be required until it is no longer required when we see him face to face. And living with the mystery of the gospel has got to be a choice that we're willing to make. It doesn't mean you don't fight for truth and walk in truth. And it doesn't mean that walking and living and working and moving and sound doctrine isn't important. But it cannot be in principle with intellect only. It has to be with our Personal, personal God and Savior through the Holy Spirit. And if we could just trust that, it wouldn't be so frightening or unnerving or unsettling or even annoying to be around people that believe differently. Because you know what is sandwiched between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 about the moving of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, very famous chapter... That if I had all that ability to have all that stuff, but I don't have love, I have nothing. I'm as empty as I can possibly be. And if we start from a place of love, there's so much revelation that the Holy Spirit will give when we are obedient. What did Jesus tell his disciples in the Gospel of John? The world's going to know that you're mine by how you love, if you love A, but how you love. And starting there, and Satan's even gone and done a fairly good job of even twisting what love is. Love isn't accepting sin. Love isn't compromising your stand. Love isn't being willing to turn away from from certain things that God wants you to do and and holiness just to appease others. No, the Holy Spirit will refine all that and bring truth because truth is important. Jesus himself, when we know him, is the truth. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is our life. And so we've got to trust that. Um, but, uh, but be willing to know that you can know whom you believed and know that he's the one, I love First 1 Timothy 1:12, 1 1, that he is able, he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I trust him to keep me straight. And he does use the body of Christ to be accountable to us. But, but God looks on the heart. And he, he has a way when your heart is pure before him to weed out and prune things out of your life. And, um, and he will do that when, when our heart is sincere. And, and as he said, we're coming to a time, we're there now, that um, he's, he's not forcing anything, but the choice itself is forced. Kind of like when the doors had to close of the ark. It wasn't that he forced people to make a choice more than, than they had. It's that at some point, that door is closing. And the choice, the choice is was there from the beginning. But at some point, it'll no longer be an option to just think, you got time, and I got, yeah, and I'll live for my life, and whatever, yeah. and I'll be fine, I'll just, oh, I'll hop in last second. There will be a time when, and it is now, where the lukewarm is even being spit out. Um, I wanted to have Jeff come forward can, for a moment. I, oh. I want to make one more. Sure, comment. make one more comment, and then Jeff can follow him. Okay.
0: I, I want to make one more comment before we close it online. I had mentioned Acts 17:11, and we read that. Okay, the Bereans were righteous in what they did in in taking with eagerness what was said, and then going and searching, searching the scriptures. There's something that we don't think of right now. We think of, well, they searched the scriptures, they had all, what we have, but they don't. They didn't. They had the Old Testament. They had the scriptures where the mystery was a mystery, where the bride, the church, was a mystery. So what they, the only thing they could do, they couldn't go and say, okay, what's Paul saying here? What's Silas saying? So, you know, this, this, this Jesus who, who did this and, and the church and, and all these things that he was saying, they couldn't go back and, oh, well, there it is in the Psalms. No, they go back and they prove out the character of what he's saying, the character of the God of who is speaking. It's no different than what we do now. Let me, let me close in prayer and then, Jeff, come on up. Father, we worship you and praise you. We trust you. Lord, do your will. You said every time your word goes out, it does not return to you void. Father, we ask that you perform your will on what was spoken here this morning. Drawing to you those who would say yes. Who would just say, I want you? Whatever that means, whatever the cost, I just want you. Father, I ask that you break the strongholds of separation. Break the strongholds that the religious spirit has in the separation of doctrine. Not that it is all truth, because it is not. There's one truth, and his name is Jesus. But if we're all focused on you and building relationship with you and knowing you, you will share the one truth, and you will speak it through your Holy Spirit. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.